Hey, everyone. It's Robert Poole with the Growing Your B2B Small Business Podcast. Have you ever been asked by a salesperson after a sale, hey, do you know anybody who would be interested in my product? That has to be one of the most annoying and ineffective ways of getting referrals. Let's talk about how to do it right. Do you have a small business that sells to other businesses? If so, you probably know that there are plenty of resources for companies that market to consumers or companies that sell to large and Fortune 500 type companies. But what about the small businesses in the middle who sell to other companies? Where do we go to get answers? How do we grow our company consistently while still keeping our sanity? That's the question, and this podcast is the answer. If you're listening to this podcast, you're part of an elite group of achievers who aren't willing to settle for just a 9-to-5 job. You're one of the heroes in our society, and you should be proud of it. Welcome to the tribe, and welcome home. Okay, everyone, I hope you're having a fantastic day today. In the last episode, we talked about what intentional culture means and how to grow your company with it. Today I want to talk about a subject uh, today I want to talk about the subject of referrals in our business. You know, first of all, what is a referral? Is it uh, you know, hey, I heard this guy would be interested? Oh, that's more like a tip if you think about it. And, you know, hey, I told my friend about you, you can call and use my name. Really, that's just a kind of a warmish kind of cold lead, really. And then there's, hey, I told my friend about you and he's expecting your call. Please call him this morning. That's that's a referral in my mind. A referral is really an introduction to a potential customer who has some level of trust, you know, since the person introducing them is sort of vouching for them. They're qualified to use your product or service, and they're actively looking for a solution like yours. Everything else is just a lead to varying degrees of interest. Let's look at each one of these components, uh, as without all three of them, you don't have a referral, you have a lead at best. Trust. Trust is the most difficult part of selling and acquiring new customers. However, it's also the most valuable. You know, if you're able to get a prospect to trust you, I mean, you're 80% of the way to closing the deal. We spend a majority of our time in marketing to prospects and selling them on trusting us and therefore our product or service. Shortcutting this makes, you know, completing that sale much easier. Ways we build trust is usually through time and familiarity, creating personal rapport and using the social proof of others, which of course is one of the strongest ways. Usually as part of that trust building process, you know, we provide social proof in the form of testimonials and Testimonials are fantastic, particularly video testimonials, but they're all still strangers to the prospects. You know, a true referral jumps the trust chasm when someone you know vouches for you, and they put their reputation on the line by transferring their trust in you to their friend or their colleague. Just by them trusting you and showing that trust to one of their friends or colleagues, that generates almost as much trust as if you knew the prospect yourself. I mean, trust is not, of course, you know, 100% transferred, but it's pretty good. So a solid referral helps you as the recipient of the referral immensely. You can't buy that kind of connection with a prospect that you can start off with by talking to a prospect who's been referred to you in some ways. However, trust isn't the only part of a solid referral. You know, let's say you're a salesperson at a Mercedes-Benz dealership. You do a good job of putting the word out to your circle of influence, your friends and your family and colleagues, that sort of thing. Um, You know, people let them know you take really good care of your customers and you can help anyone looking for a new car. If you've done a good job of creating trust with your circle, you probably get them to start referring you know, over time. The problem becomes who actually gets referred. If you haven't told your circle of influence exactly who you can help, and you know, I don't mean people who want to buy a Mercedes, but also somebody who's qualified to buy a Mercedes. I mean, most people would like to buy a Mercedes or at least a nice car, but statistically, it's a small percentage of people who can actually afford one. So not to be judgmental, but 
You don't want referrals who are just tire kickers and just want to test drive a Mercedes, but really have no intention and more importantly, no ability or the financial resources to buy one. You know, that may not be the best example, but I mean, I think you know where I'm going with this. Think about your ideal customer. Then think about someone who may want your service or product, but just doesn't fit the criteria of your ideal client. You don't want new customers who don't fit this profile, whether that's from a referral or, you know, any other sales channel for that matter. And to make matters worse, if you explain or you haven't explained the attributes of your ideal client and customers and exactly who's your right type of customer to your circle, you know, that's referring you people, you know, you're going to burn bridges with that referral source by not being able to take on the referred people. And if you do take on a new client that was referred to you just because they're referred and, you know, that client, again, doesn't fit your ideal client profile, you've really further complicated your business. And, and in the long run, you've taken money where you shouldn't have. Either way, it's lose, 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 lose for you, lose for the prospect and lose for the person who referred you. So even getting the trust transfer in a referral, but not making sure that the right kind of customers are being referred kills off any benefit of a referral at all. You know, the third and final component uh, really is the prospect's needs or at least interest in your type of product or service. You know, if a friend of yours tells you, hey, you know, I got a great plumber, you know, he's fair, reasonably priced, competent and gets the job done quickly. You know, you should keep his number. I mean, that's great. But if you don't need a plumber for the next three years, you're probably going to lose the guy's name and number and end up calling whoever you Google. Why? Because, you know, a referral is only a true referral when the person actually needs a product or service like yours and they need it right now or in the near future. And importantly, also that they know they need it. And this is where long, a lot of us uh, go wrong in trying to get referrals. You know, we get aggressive uh, for, by asking for referrals and, you know, and that's great to be proactive. But if we don't make it clear to the person doing the referring what kind of customers we're looking for, and more importantly, that the customers we're looking for are actually needing or looking for our product or service, you know, we're in trouble. We do like the plumber example and solicit just names of people and wonder why we have trouble converting a quote, you know, referral. So we need that basic trust transfer to the prospect. We need prospects who are qualified in the sense that they fit our dream uh, profile, you know, and they have to have the ability to afford our solution, you know, or be qualified. And they have to be actively or at least interested in finding out more about our product or our service. The reality is without all three of these components, you really don't have a solid referral. You have a lead somewhere in the range from, you know, warm to ice cold, but definitely not a referral. So now that we're clear on what a referral is and isn't, and the components that make it a one-up, how do we go about creating and getting a consistent flow of referrals? I mean, that's the million-dollar question. And there are really tons of ways to do this, but in my opinion, there's a couple of ways that are really ineffective and bad ideas to try to get referrals, and we'll talk about that first. The biggest mistake I've seen salespeople and entrepreneurs make over the years is trying to uh, close a sale, and then right after closing the sale, without waiting until the next communication, they put the client on the spot. You know, they ask them, you know, so let me ask you, Mr. Prospect, who do you know that might be able to use my product or service? I mean, that has to be one of the most uncomfortable confrontational ways of asking for a referral. I know when I get to ask that, I'm like a deer in the headlights and I get real uncomfortable because I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. And, you know, even if I like and have re good rapport with a salesperson. And unfortunately, I, you know, I don't know how many sales trainers and business coaches and consultants I've seen teach us over the years. But in my opinion, it's one of the worst things you can do to ruin a relationship with a client and one of the least effective ways to get more referrals. So why is this such a bad idea? I mean, there are several reasons, but I think the main two are that they, it sets up a confrontation exactly the wrong time in the relationship with the prospect. And second, it's very unlikely to yield uh, significant results. I mean, the first reason, if you think about it, 
that you ask point blank, you know, who do they know? That puts them on the spot. Right after closing a prospect and, you know, they're just signed on the dotted line, they literally have a chemical high from, you know, different feel-good hormones like serotonin and oxytocin and so on. As soon as you put them on the spot with the confrontational questions, all those high chemicals go away. And for most people, that's replaced with a fight-or-flight response, you know, hormones. And by doing this, you've just turned a pleasurable sale into a situation where the prospect wants out of it as soon as they can. And they're going to go away with a sour taste in their mouth instead of enjoying the sale. All the work you've done in creating report and trust goes right out the window. I mean, you're really shooting yourself in the foot if you do this, if you ask me. You know, and I know some people will, won't agree with that. And, you know, that's fine. But that's what I've found, you know, being on both ends of the sale. I know that how it feels to when somebody hits me up after a sale and I've seen the prospect's whole demeanor change when asking for this. You know, it took me a few times as a young salesperson to start doing this and realize that it was a bad idea. The second reason this is a bad idea is it's very, very ineffective, in my opinion. You know, some people say, well, you know, I've gotten solid referrals this way. And, you know, as a mentor of mine used to say, everything works sometimes, but that doesn't mean you should be using that technique because it works sometimes when there's a better alternative. You're going to have to ask a ton of people to get a decent referral. And even if somebody says, well, yeah, actually, my friend Bob might be interested, you know, you should call him. That goes back to the definition of a referral. That's not a referral if the person you asked for the referral um, from hasn't talked to their acquaintance or their friend and confirmed their interest and either had them call you or tell them you'll be calling. Without that, it's really a cold or maybe a warm lead at best. So those are a couple of the negatives of doing the, you know, uncomfortable immediate post-sale asking for the referral. But you know, if we don't do that, you know, how are we going to solicit and receive referrals? Well, number one is we have to remember the basis of all referrals, and that's goodwill and reciprocity. I mean, this should be a no-brainer, but if you aren't doing an outstanding job of serving your customers and clients, you have very little chance of getting referrals in the first place. You know, if you realistically look at your company and know your client service should be, you know, needs quite improvement, you know, that's a priority of getting over or getting referrals. You can't have referrals when your customers are not big fans and very satisfied customers. In fact, you don't even want satisfied customers. You want, quote, raving fans to gain referrals. When you have customers who are very happy with your product or service, it's easy to uh, invoke the law of reciprocity. And what do I mean by the law of reciprocity? It simply means that as humans, you know, when some, somebody does something for us, gives us something, or is nice to us, compliments us, our natural response is to try to reciprocate and give something back to that person. For instance, you know, why is it that when you walk into, you know, a good car dealership, do they offer you a cup of coffee or a water? Well, it's not because they think you're thirsty. It's because if they can get you to take a gift from them, you're automatically psychologically in debt to them. It's a small, but immediately it starts creating that goodwill. It's the same thing with referrals. If you've given your customer a great experience buying, they like your product or service and they like you because you've made them feel good, they're naturally looking for a way to repay you. And this is all psychological stuff, but we as humans can't help ourselves and how our brains function. When we're selling, we need to keep this in mind. We're dealing with other human beings who are pretty much all wired the same at some level. So again, giving your customers and clients a good experience and an excellent service you know, should be obvious. And that's the number one thing you can do to gain referrals. You don't have to ask for referrals directly if people are enthralled with your service. They'll tell their circle without you asking them to and just because so they can feel like they're repaying you. And once you've got that customer and the client loyalty going on, how else can you accelerate that referral process? Let's go back to the components of a referral. You know, if you've done a fantastic job with customer service and the customer experience, you probably have created the trust you need, you know, for your circle to start referring. 
you know, and maybe as a side note, I, I think I forgot to explain what I mean when I say circle. A circle is, you know, it's a circle of influence or, uh, you know, it's all the people in your customers' lives who they run into and they communicate with daily. You know, this includes, you know, friends, family, work associates, and anyone else they run into that, you know, would value their advice or their recommendation. And we all have this kind of a circle of influence. So anyway, uh, outstanding customer service builds that difficult to get trust, but how do you get to the other components? The next component is figuring out how to get our circle to refer prospects. And this is where educating our clients comes in. Although we don't want to ask for referrals point blank at the close of a sale, we do want to subtly hint that we would appreciate referrals, which we'll get into in a second. But, you know, in this subtle solicitation of referrals, we need to let our circle know what kind of customer we can help. Going back to the Mercedes example, it doesn't do us any good if they send us people um, to sell on a Mercedes, but these people can only afford a Chevy. The way we avoid this is to get across the point of who our ideal client is. If our circle knows who the, who the prospects are we're targeting, they're less likely to send us someone who's unqualified for our service. For the third component, we need to get across to our circle that we can only help those who are already interested generally in a product or service like ours, or they will be shortly. For instance, if you're selling something that a new business might need, you know, let's say a phone system, and your circle knows this, they're most likely to refer you to a friend or calling who's in the process of starting their business uh, than someone who's got an established business that already has a phone system and hasn't mentioned any issues with it. Okay, so, you know, these are all great in theory, you say, but how do we actually execute on these ideas? I think the first thing you need to do is design a system that's designed to help your circle and your customers refer people to you and make it easy. What I mean, what are the logistics of how people can refer you and or refer to you, and how can you track those referrals over time? You know, if you, people don't know how to refer you business, you know, you're going to get a lot of, you know, combination of leads and actual referrals. And when talking to customers about referrals, we need to make it very easy on them. You know, if you have a small operation with, you know, a small amount of customers that are high ticket items, for instance, you know, this simple uh, system can be as simple as telling them, hey, you can call me or email me and just give me a description of, you know, uh, just give them a description of the ideal client. And when they call with a referral, then that's your chance to find out, you know, the info you need to decide if it's a true referral or more like a, just a lead. You can design these questions in advance so that everyone in your company uses the same questions. But let's say you have a larger number of clients, like hundreds or thousands, and you can't, you know, uh, educate them all on a one-to-one basis. You know, the best thing to do in my experience is to create some kind of online form or a way to, for them to submit a referral. You should put that page, you know, exactly what kind of customer you're looking for. Basically, the attributes and demographics of your ideal customer and the fact that they need to have interest and so on. You know, you can do this in a paragraph form or questions and text boxes, that sort of thing. And this is also where you can explain, you know, any compensation that they're going to get for referring people. And we'll talk about compensation for referrals in a minute here. By coming up with some kind of written information to remind people of, you know, what is a referral, you're going to cut down on a lot of the prospects who are not qualified and not interested. You know, in addition to making it easy for someone to refer business, you also need to keep track of who's referred who. You know, in my experience, you'll have, you know, those clients that refer you, you know, every once in a great while. And then you have a few raving fans who will probably refer 80% of the total referrals in your business. If you don't track the number of quality of referrals, uh, you know, a client makes, you can't reward them and thank them. And without tracking, you'll never know what percentage of your business comes from referrals and, you know, are your referral techniques working? So practically, how do we solicit referrals? I mean, there are a bunch of ways and it largely depends on your business, but they all have in common the, the theme that it starts with goodwill and reciprocity. So you can come with, up with anything that creates those components. 
But, you know, let's say as an example, you're a solopreneur. You sign up a new client, you know, after some period, you know, you're checking in with them to see how things are going, you know, basically good client service, you know, at the point where you're getting good feedback and they appear to be happy, then's the time you can ask them, you know, either over the phone or via email. And how you ask is important as well. You, again, want to avoid that confrontational setup that we talked about at the beginning. Let's say you're on the phone talking to the customer, you know, about their account or whatever, and they seem happy and things are going well. You know, you might end the conversation with something like this. Hey, Bob, you know, I almost forgot, but I was going to tell you, you know, we get a lot of referrals from our best customers. You know, could you do me a favor and, you know, keep your ears open in case you run into anyone who might be able to use our services? You know, and most likely, you know, if you've got that, you know, happy customer, Bob will say, yeah, sure. You know, and then now's the time to educate them. You know, you could follow up with something like, hey, you know, I really appreciate your trust. And just so you know, the kind of people that we can help the most are people with, you know, XYZ qualifications or whatever that, you know, your ideal client is. Will this generate an immediate referral? I mean, it's possible. Bob might think off the top of his head, you know, um, and say, okay, you know, I'm going to call, you know, Jane over here and, uh, and set it up so you can talk to her. But, you know, most likely that's not going to happen, you know, very often. But much more likely that when Bob is talking to a colleague in a month or from now, he'll think to himself, hmm, yeah, this person fits the profile that I was talking to Robert about and the kinds of people he helps. I should refer this guy. And this should be an ongoing campaign with Bob every few times you talk to him. You don't have to go through the qualification part again, but you can remind him on, you know, let's say every other call or when he seems particularly happy that, you know, you really would appreciate any referrals. That way it's subtle, it's in his subconscious, but not confrontational and helps improve the relationship, not damage it. If you've done your customer service job right, Baba will actively be looking for people to refer as part of that law of compensation. He'll just really want to help. So that's a scenario where you're dealing with a prospect one-on-one, but what if you have a thousand customers? How do you deal with that? I mean, it's actually a very simple process. It's not as effective as one-on-one as the relationship with the customer is not as personal, but it still works. The process goes like this. You get a new customer. You don't want to start you know, dropping hints right away. You want to blow them away with client service. However, if you're keeping in contact with them via email, you might send them a personalized email, you know, just text that appears to come just for yourself or a specific person in client service that basically says the same thing as you would verbally. I, you know, we get a lot of referrals from our best customers. You know, the kind of customers we can help most are those that have XYZ qualifications. I'd really appreciate if you could just keep us in mind. And, you know, again, it has to come from somebody personally, not just a generic, you know, from, you know, XYZ company or whatever. And then throw a link into your referral form. And you can do the same thing, you know, every other month or some appropriate interval. Again, it's not as powerful, but it works. Now, these are some of the most basic ways of subtly asking for a referral, but there's a lot of ways to get the word out. For instance, I had a client in one of the, my masterminds that I run in our company. He mentioned a technique that he uses for his insurance business. You know, whenever he signs up a client to a new policy, he collects you know, emergency contact info, i.e., you know, a friend or a family member who could be contacted in the event of the policyholder's death or incapacitation. He then calls or sends a note to that emergency contact and lets them know his policyholder put them down as a contact. Then over time, he starts sending reminder cards and cards and uh, marketing materials to the emergency contacts. This keeps his name in front of them. And when they have a need, he's fresh in their mind. And, you know, in this way, he's kind of expanding his circle without even having to ask for referrals. Brilliant in my mind. And, you know, there are many ways you can come up with, you know, ideas to get the word out to let your happy clients refer people. If you keep at it, this can really change your business. And the one final area, sometimes it makes sense to compensate people who refer people to you either monetarily or otherwise. You have to think about this one as, 
you know, you don't want to create the wrong impression with your clients and don't want to get somebody referring every name they can just come up with just so they can get some compensation. You know, when you're developing a referral program, there are really two categories or decisions you have to make when it comes to compensation. First, the standard referrals from existing clients. In general, you got to be careful about compensating them, as I said. Although you could set up a program where you give them a percentage or a flat dollar amount, a finder's fee type of things, a lot of times the best way to do it is through recognition and gifts. You know, people appreciate gifts and ego boosts through recognition more so than cold hard cash a lot of times. And this is why tracking is important. You know, if a client refers you, you know, sometimes a thank you note or a fruit basket or some trinket will make them feel more important or, excuse me, more important and stroke their ego than if you gave them a gift card or a discount on your services. I mean, so that's one way to do it. And, you know, I think it's particularly important when you have a personal relationship with clients. You know, if you have many clients, you know, a hundred or a thousand or whatever that you don't have a personal relationship with, you might want to set up an actual cash reward in the form of sort of an affiliate type of arrangement. Affiliate programs are, are like referral programs, except the person referring the business is doing it more for the money and the finder's fee than they are out of goodwill. I mean, it doesn't mean that you don't have to impress them with your customer service, but it's still more of a business transaction than a gesture of reciprocity. The key to an affiliate relationship is making sure it's clear in writing what you expect in terms of the information provided, the introduction expected, and the requirements to get compensated. So I know there's a lot of information, but referrals, as you know, are the best kind of sales. They make your life easier and less stressful. Bridging that trust gap is a huge time saver and a stress reducer in the sales process. If you can build that trust, get across the profile uh, of your ideal client to the referring source and do it in a non-confrontational way, you'll continually grow the percentage of business that comes from referrals and always further towards reaching that goal of 100% referral number, which is the ultimate goal for a low-stress, highly profitable business. Thanks for listening today, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening today. I hope you learned something you can implement right away. I know your time is valuable, and it's really an honor to serve you. Please subscribe and rate the show on your favorite podcast platform and give me your honest feedback. Also, I put together a short ebook on some of the top lessons I've learned in 20 years owning a B2B business. You can download a free copy at growyourb2bcompany.com. 